in the deconstructed sessions with Chad Wilson. Deconstructed session starts right now. Right, all right. Welcome to another Deconstructed Sessions here at the Real Music Nashville Studios, Hendersonville, Tennessee. We got a full audience, and we have a special guest today, Mr. Scott Sean White. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How are you, man? This is awesome. Yeah. The people are awesome. Yeah. The, the room is awesome. Everything. Thank I you. I love for it, man. Me. It's been a. I think it's been almost maybe a month since we've done our last episode. I think. Really. And I've missed it. You just been gone a lot, huh? Yeah. yeah I know the feeling. You've. You've. I was home. We got a lot to talk about, buddy. I was five days in June. I was home. <laughs> Otherwise, I was gone. So I know yeah. all about it. You are one of the just most genuine guys I've ever met. I'm proud to call you a friend, and I can't wait to share your journey and your story with everybody tonight. Well, thank you. I feel the same way about you, sir. And welcome, everybody. How y'all doing? I know you got some recent news, but and we're going to get to that in a little bit. <laughs> but I always like to start the show out with a song. Yeah. So uh, what you got? I think uh, I think I'm that first, the, the song that uh, we uh, we met over, Blue Foley uh, double booked, I think, right? He sure did. It was a mess up, but it turned into he a beautiful booked, mistake. And he's like, well, you know, I got Chad, or he told you I got Scott, but let's just make it a three-way. Yep. And then we met that day. It was a few days after uh, Billy Joe Shaver had passed away. And so we were talking about that a little bit that day at the beginning of that session. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, uh, as usual, those things kind of figure into the song somehow. I don't know if you had that in there originally. I'm like that, yeah. But, but the lyricist that you are, you take you take some gibberish that an Alabama boy has and you <laughs> no. turn around into something amazing. It was a, it was a great idea. And... Um, and I was just, I was so excited about it. And um, when uh, we finished it, I sent it to like my, two of my biggest fans in Texas um, that have been following me for years down there. Every now and then when I'm really excited about a song, I'll just make a voice recording and text it to them, you know. Um, and uh, I sent this one to them. And uh, they texted me back. They said they loved it. Um, but the bridge, you know, you'll hear it here in a second, says, uh, that life you don't deserve, uh, hell or high water girl. And they're like, but the only problem is, you know, you do deserve this life. You've worked for it. <laughs> they're so sweet. Uh, the Cavender. So anyway, here we go. If I'd have never heard Bob Kingsley play that Billy Joe Shave song that day, I may have never picked up that guitar. Ever put together that first band? Headed out west in a Chevy van to be Bakersfield, honky-tonk, stars. I might have never missed back home, so bad I had to write that song. Got me on this stage where I belong. All them lists and rights and rights and wrongs, and those goodbyes I look back on. It's crazy just how crazy life. All them ups and downs and down and downs Get this just to turn around Turns out there's nothing that I missed As if I wouldn't have done all that 
I'd have never played that Hackerton No one knew except for you I may have never even made you smile You might have never let me ask you out Showed me around that weekend town And slowed me down for the first time in a while Gave me solid ground to stand up on Took away my want to get gone And got me in your arms where I belong all the muffs and rights and rights and wrongs And loads of buys we look back on It's crazy just how crazy life can twist All the ups and downs and down and downs To get this just to turn around Turns out there's nothing that I miss As if I wouldn't have done all that This life I don't deserve A hell or high water girl And the saving kind of grace That you can't earn All them lesson rights and rights and wrongs And those goodbyes I look back on It's crazy just how crazy life can twist All them ups and downs and down and downs Get this just to turn around Turns out there's nothing that I missed Cause if I wouldn't have done all that I wouldn't have all this I wouldn't have all this If I'd have never heard Bob Kingsley play That Billy Joe Shave song that day I may have never picked up that guitar Scott Sean White, y'all. Thank you, man. Oh, it's beautiful. I love that song. I started playing it all up tempo like that because I needed more tempos in my set that had meat on the bow. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, hey, I found a new way to play it. Man, I love that song. And one of the things I say when I play it is um, it's a, the kind of song I call it is a grateful song. Um, and I always say that I know grateful because um, uh, I started out um, – my life in Kerrville, Texas, when I was growing up, was uh, full of a bunch of uh, violence, and uh, everybody was alcoholics, and you know my parents and everything, and uh, so we were poor, not just financially, we were poor in every way. And when you start out that way, um, it tends to make you, when you get anything as you grow up that is better and different than that, um, you really, really appreciate it. So, you know, they say you write what you know. And that's what you should be doing if you're doing this right, <laughs> this songwriting thing. And uh, and I know I know grateful. So I write a lot of grateful songs. I think and, you gotta um, figure that out. That is uh, that that's a, this song too is another great example of it's not my story. It's not exactly your story. Right. But it's is definitely true about both of us. Yeah. You know, which is a is a cool thing that happens with writing. Well, let's songs. talk about your story. Yeah. Poetry Texas. That's where I live now, yeah. You grew up where? I grew up in Kerrville, Texas. Kerrville. You, you had brothers, sisters? Uh, I had uh, three brothers and uh, one sister. I still have a sister. The three brothers have passed away. Right. Yeah. And you were there 
you sort of took care of the family? Yeah, um, I've kind of been, uh, I'm, I'm the baby in the family. I was nine and a half years behind my brother Joey. Uh, Joey had Down syndrome, and uh, he lived with me and my wife and our family most of my adult life. And um, he was 57 when he passed away in 2016. Um, you trying to get me cry today. This is cool. Well, um, I know that was tough. And um, But, yeah, he uh, – so he lived with us most of my adult life. And um, uh, he was a little bit like a son, too, because, you know, he has Down syndrome. He was eternally a little kid. Yeah. And he was just freaking awesome. And um, he, was, he was mischievous, too. And, you know, had his days, but he was awesome. So – but, uh, yeah, and so, you know, my mom uh, drank herself to death, basically. Um, and so she had a stroke in August right after I graduated high school. She had her first major stroke, um, partly from smoking uh, and partly from drinking. And, um, and so I went from making a little extra money on the side at age 18 to supporting her and Joey, um, which made me grow up even faster you know, um, so that's how Joey kind of ended up in my care, uh, most of, you know, from there on until he passed away. Well, that makes sense. I hear it in your songs. Now that you say it, you wasn't given nothing, but and what you was given wasn't, you know, wasn't what you would want. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess, so you are who you are because of it, but man, we don't get, we don't, we don't get what we can't handle, you know? Yeah, that's true. You're full of grace. You, you handle it well. So, <laughs> so you got some, uh, I just lost myself. I had everything right where I was wanting. I, was, <laughs> I just lost it. I'm sorry. I <laughs> so we're going to go off you. key here <laughs> for a second. That's all right. No. Um, so I, we've been friends for, for a couple of years now. We've wrote some good songs together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you've had, you know, some that you've written with what they call the Trinity. <laughs> Yeah, Barrett Baber and Terry Joe Box. Now, Vaden started calling us the Trinity, which I love Jesus, so I'm not really okay with this whole Trinity thing. Um, it was funny the other day, though. Barrett and Terry Joe, Barrett, we were on a group text, the three of us, um, talking about this stuff that's been going on. And, um, and somebody said in a group text something about, or somebody else did, uh, said something about the Trinity. And, uh, and uh, Barrett goes, I called dibs on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I was like, oh, none of this is okay. <laughs> that means either Terry Joe is the, is the father or Jesus. I'm definitely not Jesus. I'm not the father. I'm, um, I'm out. <laughs> so the Trinity thing's got, I don't know. Barrett's pretty quick. He can get in there. Yeah. <laughs> he called dibs on the Holy Spirit. That was hilarious. But, yeah, um, we, uh, you know, that's one of those trios uh, that when we get in the room, it just works. You know, was piano y'all's first like piano for sale was the first song we ever what a wrote song. together. It's a shame we're only we're only gonna be able to play three or four songs on the show. But yeah, I mean, I could just go through them with you. You oh, know, fifty three years old and you just put yeah. out your first ever album. How's that? What what is that experience like? What's that feel like? I mean, man, it's been cool. Uh, I think one of the most uh, interesting and challenging things about it, putting out my own record that came out April twenty third. Um, and I started because of COVID. Uh, I talked about doing an album for a while, but I was always like, when am I going to have time? Because I'm here two weeks a month in Nashville and I'm playing shows 
And then COVID happened, and all of a sudden, three weeks into COVID, I was like, well, I have time to make a record. Okay. So I started working on the record, and uh, it took a year. Uh, Crowdfunded too, huh? Well, the promotion, the the publicity, and the social media digital team and all that, and printing the CDs and stuff like that was paid for with a Kickstarter that I did. Because well, I got but, to see it. I mean, you hit your goal pretty yeah, the Kickstarter. A lot of support, I, I saw. The Kickstarter, I'd set my goal at 19000 which I thought was impossible. I thought to myself, I remember starting that in, uh, the first day and thinking to myself, I'm going to raise $742, and I'm going to have to figure out a different way to do this. <laughs> right? Right. 24 hours and 19 minutes later, we had hit $19,000. Wow. That's incredible. And uh, God, That's a testament good. to you, bro. And then, then we, we raised almost $32,000. For the, and that was just for the publicity and the digital team. So the album came out April 23rd. And, um, uh, yeah, the, the biggest thing is uh, I've been a songwriter all these years. Um, yeah, so. And being an artist, being on that side of it all of a sudden has been very weird. Photo shoots, video shoots. Right. Uh, it's a different Interviews. World. Uh, like, luckily, this isn't my first interview now. We good. Yeah. But, whoo, there for a while. And I was like, this is odd. Like, I'm just a songwriter. What's going on? I don't see it stopping. No, it's, so, it's, it's been Kevin, cool, man. So, but, so you released a record. So tell me about the music. How did you, how did you get into music? So your mom was not a musician. No. Um, my stepdad uh, played drums a little bit. And that was actually my first instrument when I was real young, but I didn't stick with it. And then I messed with piano a little bit, got away from it, messed with guitar a little bit, got away from it. Then I ended up um, uh, getting back to piano and keyboards and sticking with it. And I played keyboards in a 10-piece funk, disco, hip-hop cover band, wedding band for like 29 years. <laughs> and we played Earth, Wind & Fire and Michael Jackson and, and Cool was, in the Game. was you writing this whole time? I was writing, but back then, in the early days of that, um, I was writing hip-hop and R&B and producing it. Um, I can't see you doing that. I know. Everybody in Nashville is like, what? <laughs> and when I started coming to Nashville in 2005, uh, everybody in the Dallas music scene um, was like, you're writing country music. I just can't see that. You know, because I was also an engineer at three different studios in Dallas um, in the early days, and... It was all hip-hop and R&B, and so it was very odd for them in 2005 when I started coming up here yeah. that I was doing country music and everybody here. I didn't even tell anybody here for months that I was involved in hip-hop and R&B. I didn't even mention it because I didn't want to scare them off. Right. You know, but um, but when I did, people were like, what? But yeah. That's like so. the hidden asset, though. If, if you can write rap, uh, hip-hop, that style then there's a lot of things you can do with country music that a lot of people that don't. I think melodically it it definitely influences me uh, somewhat. And Eric Ehrman. Production-wise. That's, yeah. why, that's why you two get along. That's why us three write such good music. Right. Because he comes from that. He, he can write a song. He comes from all over. All it's, over. It's incredible. Yeah. So, And the production side of it you know, has helped me once I start, once I got back into doing the track thing kind of here a little bit, but. You know, when I started coming here, I stopped doing all that in 2005. I Once I came here that first week um, and got my butt kicked at every night, writer's night I went to uh, by these great songs uh, by people that looked homeless, um, 
You know what I'm talking about. You've been to these shows. That's where we are um, now, right? Boy, and um, I was just like, okay, I'm going to learn how to write a country lyric. And I knew I was a long ways away from it. Like, I wasn't one of those dudes that came to town. I was like, oh, man, I got this. No. I came to town with, oh, no, I'm not writing that. And it's going to take me a long time. So I just started. And I remember I called, I told my wife either when I got home or I called her and I said, hey, I think I need to start coming up here, you know, like once a month. She goes, yeah, I do. I think you do too. So when you got your publishing deal? My first publishing deal I got in 2007. And um, they went out of business in January 2008. I like to think I put them out of business. That's the way I like to frame that story. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I got uh, another publishing deal just a couple of years ago, three years ago, with Steve Lott. Okay. Yeah. And that's what the current singles with? Uh, yeah, partially, and then partially just me. Okay. Um, so, because I, I wrote that song before, uh, before that deal came out. Well, up. you tell your story and all your music and and the title track of your record. And call it even. And call it even. You 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 yeah. say it's the story of your life. It is. Um, I uh, my real dad, uh, the the dad in the song is actually my stepdad who raised me for like the first thirteen years. Um, before my mom finally divorced him but my real dad beat my mom uh, almost to death while she's pregnant with me Goodness. and she left him uh right after i was born and then uh, she managed to marry this guy named ernie uh who also uh beat her um and out ernie was an alcoholic mom became an alcoholic um and so it was it was insane to say the least i mean we you know we had one fight in our house um that involved a 22 rifle getting involved uh, getting emptied through the wall of the trailer um at which point uh, i jumped on my mini bike and rode on paved roads for the first time to my sister's house because i thought mom and dad were gonna kill each other and so how old were you uh, i was probably i'm betting i was nine or ten wow when that when that happened but it was it was always like that like it was just um and later i learned it's called a cycle of violence yeah. and that's exactly what happened when i when i was growing up there'd be a big explosion like that then everything be lovey-dovey for like a week and then it would slowly ramp back up into two three four five six weeks later another boom and that's how it was for you know first 13 years of my life and then she finally divorced him um when i was 13 um, but then she managed to find another guy a few years later that was even crazier. He was cool at first, and then we got a little bit of money when Grandma died, and he went back to drugs. And as crazy as it was with Ernie, it, it went times ten with this guy. <coughs> and um, so, yeah, but, you know, I wouldn't uh, – I mean, I don't mean to be cliché, but, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change any of that. If I had had a, a choice beforehand, I wouldn't have chosen it. Like, yeah. if the Lord showed you, hey, here's going to be your first, you know, 20 years of your life, what do you think? I'd have been, no, I'm out. Let's let's try some other life. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't change any of it. Um, I mean, it's made you who you are. What, what's some good uh, some good times back when you were little? I mean. Mom. Um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm going to pick some little tiny picture out um i guess that's what songwriters do but one of my favorite things about my mom was we'd be riding down the road and she would just randomly it'd be dead silent no radio on just randomly out of the blue all the time she'd just go i love you you know and my stepdad uh, he said he loved me every now and then the one thing he didn't ever say was he was proud of me um which is that important there, yeah 
yeah, you don't know what's important until you get older. Yeah. And then I realized it drove me most of my life. And so the thing, one of the good things about my mom was that she believed in me. That's for sure. She always believed in me. She believed in me almost enough for both of them. But for a young man, no matter how much she believes in you, there's no replacing a father saying that he's proud of you. Mm. And so that's just a permanent, you know, yeah. thing you have to deal with. You know, like for years, I mean, even now I'll tear up when I see some, you know, or start to tear up uh, when I see some commercial and some dad tells his son he's proud of him. Like it still gets me, Yeah, you know. And so uh, another positive thing that came out of that, though, is it made sure my daughters knew when I was proud of them. You broke that cycle for sure. Yeah. yeah. So definitely. So the title track. Is all that part of it? Is that all in there? Why don't you play it? Well, I can't play I, the title track. Oh, that's on the piano. piano. I got you. I see. But, you know, the, the title track, too, um, it has good stuff in it, and that's actually what kind of started the song. Um, in my 20s, I remembered, and this is a story that's in the song, um, I was driving down the road one day, and randomly I remembered that Ernie, the guy that punched my mom, one day, the last time I said the N-word, he had picked me up from elementary school. I was, I don't know, seven, eight years old, nine, I don't know. And I I said, we were driving home on Ranchero Road in an El Camino. I almost remember the spot he pulled over. Because I said, Daddy, what's a oop? That's the last time I said the N-word. He grabbed my arm, pulled the car over to the side of the road, and gave me this two or three-minute speech about yeah. race. Mm -hmm. And changed shaped the way i saw race the rest of my life like hey i don't care the color of a man's skin you don't ever say that word da, 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 da. and um and so when i'm in my 20s and i have this memory pop up to be honest with you it pissed me off because i didn't want there to be anything good about that guy when you see a, a, a man pull his fist back and hit your mother it rocks your world in ways your world should not be rocked and so you just want that guy to be all bad for the rest of life. Right. And in that moment in my 20s, I remember this. I was like, that SOB did something good for me. Yeah. And um, and that, that story's in the song. Yeah. It's, it's in there. And then, um, you know, when I got done with the first verse and chorus of that song, I remember it took me like six, seven months to write that song. I wrote it by myself. And I was 40 years old when I wrote it. I always say that I couldn't have wrote it when I was 20 or 30 or 35 because I didn't see everything this way, um, the way this, the song is uh, presented. And um, But um, when I got done with that first verse and chorus, I had to stop and think about for a while. I was like, well, if, I, if I'm not completely honest, because if I tell the truth about mom in the second verse, that she drank herself to death, ain't nobody going to cut this song. <laughs> it's already heavy. Yeah. And I had to make a decision, you know, what is, was I going to try to water it down a little bit and make it commercial somewhat so that somebody might cut it? Or, or tell was the I truth. just going to be tell the truth be real. and write the best song I could possibly write? And that's what you did. And so that's what, I, you know, after I prayed about it and thought about it a lot, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to I'm just going to do it. And faith, faith guides you a lot in life, right? Oh, well, yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you put you know scripture out or little things that get a lot of us through the day sometimes mm, yeah. but um we've come to know you for that 
another song on your album that I love personally is a song called Crazy But True. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could you play that one for us? I can. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about that. That song is one of those ideas. It sat there on my idea list for a little bit. I, I had written down like the first four lines, but I knew it was going to be really hard to write. Somehow, I think um, the Lord gave me the wisdom to wait until the right day to pull that idea out. And it was a day that I was sat down with Terry Joe Box, a young man named Daniel Epperson. And that song took four or five writing appointments to write, to get right. As a matter of fact, we made changes to it months before I recorded it. <laughs> we were still we were still tweaking it, but we tweaked one thing in it. And uh... I heard it for the first time in Montana. And I got so excited about this song that I don't know if you remember, but you know how sometimes you just just jump up and just holler, you know, when something's so good. Yeah, yeah that was me doing that. Yeah. Thank you. The other cool thing about this song actually came, and maybe really my favorite thing about this song, came from when I got to the part of, of making the record where I had to figure out what order things were in, what order the songs were in on the record. Yeah. Um, and I I'd put this order together, and this is the second song on the record right after Call It Even, right after my story comes Crazy But True, and then uh, Crazy Till It Works is the third song, which is... Um, one of the only up-tempo fun songs on the record, you know, bouncy and everything. And I sent it to my friend Helene Cronin, the order, you know, say, hey, what do you think about this? And she's like, I think it's cool. What do you think about putting crazy till it works, though, after Call It Even? So right after that real heavy thing, you have something real fun, which was a valid point. But my answer, it made me think about why I put, really why I put crazy but true second, and it solidified that it had to be second. I texted her back, and I said, you know, I said, here's why I think that has to be second, because it's about my wife and and my life now, really. And um, to come from the childhood of Call It Even to a life completely opposite of that really is crazy but true. So that song has to be second on the record. Take a couple hundred thousand pounds of steel And make it fly Or make it flow The sky ain't really there It ain't blue Crazy but true Clouds turn into rain Turn into clouds Turn into rain Fills up the ocean around the sun just far enough just close enough to feel it shining shining down on us and I get to wake up every day next to you crazy but true there's about a million words that I could use 
So good, man. I just love it. I love good lyrics. I just love a good song. Anybody got a question? Anybody for Scott? I always I often wonder, like, with, with people that are from out of town that come to Nashville and do the mm -hmm. thing, kind of, kind of just a few weeks a month and stuff. Like, you know, why, why not make the jump? Like, it seems like you got such a such a wonderful community here. I guess you just your heart's in Texas, or, or. uh, you know, this is year seventeen, mm. and so in two thousand five, I was in that band, um, and not just playing in the band but you know I owned it and managed it and it was it was a big deal in Texas I mean we you know everybody made a full-time living a good full-time living off that band including me okay so a there was a financial reason um, B at the time in 2005 my daughters um, they graduated in 2008 and 2011 from high school we weren't gonna leave we we're they had been in the same schools with the same friends the whole time um, even if I had had hits, we weren't going to move here um, then. Um, and then <laughs> a somewhat famous story uh, among friends is I got involved after my kids graduated. We still couldn't financially afford to move here. I got involved in Big Brothers Big Sisters. Okay. And um, I was a big brother to this uh, young man named Xavier, and he was in the seventh grade, and um, you know I made a commitment to uh, as long as he didn't want to get rid of me, uh, be his big brother through his senior year in high school. Um, so I also wasn't going to leave him because I had made a commitment. And I believe that, um, you know, uh, the Lord honors uh, those things. That if uh, you do the right thing, 
um, and trust him with this other stuff, um, he always honors it. And so do the right thing in the first place and he'll take care of it. So that's what we've done. And then now we have grandkids, a three-year-old and a 10-week-old. My wife ain't leaving Texas. It's <laughs> not fair. happening. That's fair. Not happening. So, unless we can get her helicopter and helicopter lessons <laughs> and a house here, no. And, you know. That's a good story, too, you and your wife. Yes, it is. Uh, you'll tell that in a second. Yeah, she I'm sorry, awesome. I didn't mean to cut you off. But, but um, and, and two, I'm, I'm here two weeks a month. Um, there's a lot of great things about that um, that work to my advantage. Uh, a, everybody thinks I live here anyway because I'm here so much. Like, I always see you here. I see you more than I, you know, people that live here. And um, and then B two for me, um, yeah, this was in my thank yous on my album. I, I I thanked Texas and its songs and songwriters for washing the Nashville off of my soul. Um, and as a songwriter, for me, I need that. I love Nashville. I love Nashville. Um, it has a certain way it does things, and it's really good at it, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I also hear great songs in Texas by guys like Walt Wilkins and Radney right. Foster and John mm. Bauman and Drew Kennedy and Josh Greider and Susan Gibson and, and all these people that are not Nashville songs, but they're still great. And I need that reminder that it doesn't have to be in this box that this town says it has to be in. And so, um, you know, that's not a primary reason for me not moving here. The grandbabies are the primary reason at this point. Um, but it, it is another good reason. So, Cool. That's a great that's answer, Mark. Well, that's a great answer. I mean, Wade Bowen, you're right with them, too. I love I haven't Texas. written with Wade yet. Um, I've met him a couple times, and I suspect, I feel like we will connect at some point. Well, I, there is a Texas artist that you have connected with. Yeah. And we just found out, what, two days ago? It was Friday. Friday. What is that? Four so, days ago, something um, like that? Now, your first, let me get this in right order now. But your first single was uh, Lies, Lies of, of My, my fears. fears. Yeah. And I found out, like, four days before that that it was going to be <laughs> released as a single. That was pretty cool. And that's a song I'm really proud of. Um, it, uh, it has something to say that matters, which is, um, you know, we write a lot of songs in this town on any given day. Uh, you know, you're in the room with an artist or, or whatever, and you just write a fun song that day, and I love those. They're, the world needs those. Um, there are some of those songs, though, that as a writer, you're like, could I get a pen name for this? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's okay. I'd love the money, but maybe not so much, you know. And so I, I, I'm thankful that the first two songs I've had released by major, you know, by artists uh, on legit labels in this town um, are songs that I'm proud of because that doesn't always happen. It could have yeah. been some drinking song I wrote 10 years ago and I'd be like, oh, yeah, let's go. So, well, I think and those are great. Too, <clears throat> and let's go. I, I'm all for it. But for me personally, I'm glad that these songs um, have something to say that that. Uh, has some weight to it well if there's anybody that that is bridging texas and nashville together it's cody johnson yeah and you just got his latest single yeah how does that feel it's crazy man um i found out last tuesday 
he put a thing up on Facebook. I was I went to Facebook to do something else, um, and I saw this post. He said we're putting out two more songs on Friday, and you know, God bless the boy, and uh, this song called Stronger. And I was like, oh, and uh, I was hooping and hollering and crying, hooping and hollering and crying, and uh, I knew the song was on the album. I'd gotten the track listing uh, from the label, you know, a few weeks before. So I knew it was on the record. Um, I just didn't know until last Tuesday that they were coming out. And then it came out Friday. And so Friday was anything I had planned to do Friday did not happen, (laughs) which was awesome. Like, I mean, it was social media was blowing up. Your phone's blowing up. Terry, Joe, and Barrett. uh, Y'all had a listening party, right? Y'all got together. Yeah, we did. I was on FaceTime. Facebook. And and Barrett and Terry Joe were in person at Roger Hodges' house. And and so that was cool. And then, um, yeah, so uh, it was just uh, text and phone calls and emails and... What did he, how did the coach how did he do on it? Man, he killed it. I'm not did he not kill it? Nice to him. I know he did. That dude can flat sing. He sure can. And he just he sang the heck out of it. Trent Wilman produced the fire out of. I text Trent. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, Trent Wilman oh, produced wow. it. Oh wow, that's cool. I text Trent the next day and just thanked him. Yeah, you know for doing such a great job on yeah. the song. Don't he mean produces that's me. a bunch of Texas artists, but Cody's definitely obviously the biggest one. He did a hell of a job. Yeah, he did. And um, just the whole thing. And, I mean, I was getting texts the day they cut the song. Well, this is the deconstructed session. So deconstruct this song for us. You know, from beginning? From beginning to uh, and then play it for us. Yeah. um, Well, we were at Barrett's house uh, to write that day. Terry Joe and I were down in the basement waiting for him, and he was upstairs getting his daughter ready for daycare. She was three at the time. I think she's seven now, so the song's four years old. And as he tells the story, he was trying to convince his three-year-old not to wear high heels to daycare. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, that sounds good. That sounds sounds right. about right, yeah, right? Yeah, it sure does. And uh, somewhere in that process, he goes, God bless the boy. And um, he gets her off to daycare. He comes downstairs. He goes, hey, uh, what about God bless the boy for a song today to write and, uh, about my daughter? And, of course, I have two daughters. Um Mine uh, at the time would be would have been 27 and 24. They're 31, 28 now. Um, and so, uh, you know, we wrote that song that day. Uh, it's got obviously some of Barrett's daughter in it. Um, it's got some Terry Joe in it, uh, just from her, from her being her. Uh, it's got some of my two daughters in it. Um, it definitely also has uh, part of Brenda and I as prayers in it or maybe just the whole spirit of the song has that in it you know when you when Brenda and I come and come up August 10th we will have been married for 31 years and um we've been together for over 32 and when you have what we have um you pray really hard for your daughters to find a good man and to have that same thing I mean really hard and so that prayer and that's the spirit of that prayer definitely ended up in this song. And, um, another thing that a lot of people don't know about the song is, uh, I was, I chuckle about this all the time. Uh, I think Barrett and I almost forgot about the song. I mean, Terry Joe was the one that like a couple of months later, at least I think was like, Hey, did we finish God bless a boy? And, and I was like, yeah, you and I, because we had to cut early. Barrett had to cut early maybe to go get his daughter or something. 
and and we had one we were one line away well terry joe and i figured it out as we were driving back to nashville because he lives in franklin and um but terry joe was like hey let's not forget that song you know did we finish it i was like yeah we got that last line so the next time the three of us got together we played back through it and then we sat there and we all went oh uh yeah oh, that's pretty good <laughs> And uh, one of my favorite stories to just in general in the whole songwriting journey is how this song got cut. Um, and it's going to involve another song. Uh, but in 2019, I went to a song contest in Austin. It was the last song contest I entered. It's called uh, Texas Songwriter U. It was hosted by Jack Ingram, Liz Rose, and Sean Camp. And... Um, I knew Liz a little bit, so I was like, hey, let me go down, hang out with her for a few days, meet Jack Ingram, Sean Camp, you know. And I usually entered those contests uh, not really, honestly, not caring if I won or not. It was no big deal because I knew I've, I have I had entered enough of them over 20 years to know that it, just, it was so uh, subjective. If they were looking for great guitar playing uh, and a, a good song – I wasn't going to win. If they were looking for unbelievable vocals like Barrett Baber or Cody Johnson and a, and a decent song, I wasn't going to win. It was just about the song. I might have a chance. Depends on the kind of song they're looking for. You know, so I had a realistic approach to those contests, right? I go into that one, though, spend three days with those people, and for some reason, and I have to tell you the embarrassing parts um, so that the beautiful part of the story will hit you in the mouth like I want. You've been listening to The Deconstructed Sessions with Scott Sean White, Part 1. Part 2? Monday, 9 a.m. Thanks for joining.